Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. I want to preach to you for just a few moments today, and that's not an idle threat. I really do know how to preach just a few minutes. I don't, I don't exercise that often, admittedly, but... I do know, I do know how. The book of Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 18, 19, and 20. We welcome all of our guests today. Thank you for being here. And we do not take for granted the fact that you have taken time out of your schedule to be with us in the house of worship. And summertime is upon us. Summertime equals vacation time. And so we already have some families that are out this weekend. So let's remember them in prayer that God will keep his hand upon them. I try not to preach against taking vacations real hard because I want to do that myself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm teasing. Amen. The book of Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 18. The Bible says, And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. And every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds went forth out of the ark. In verse number 20, the Bible says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And today I just want to simply preach to you from this subject, the altar, the altar. There, there's nothing more sacred Nothing more uh, meaningful than the altar, and I'm thankful for that today. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. The altar is where it all begins. In our passage of Scripture today, the flood, one of the most epic moments, certainly in the beginning of Bible history, when man was destroyed except for Noah and his family by the flood that plagued the earth. When the Waters had receded, that ark had come to a rest. Noah and his family made it out, and the ark was empty. It appears to us at the first order of business that Noah would, the first recorded certainly deed, was that he built an altar unto the Lord. An altar was a place of familiarity not only to Noah but for his entire family. Brother Donnie Osborne mentioned a moment ago uh, sacred, if you want to call them traditions, in his family that helped set the trajectory for him in giving. But for Noah and his family, I'm thankful that the altar is a wonderful place that he chose to set the trajectory for his family. I'm thankful to know today the value of the altar and what it means to me. The altar was a place of familiarity. It's a place where it all begins for those who trust the Lord. The word altar is mentioned some 433 times in 634 verses from Genesis to Revelation. The altar is a place where a majestic God meets with common man. 
And if that be the case, then I say enough said. If someone like me, David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But if somebody like me can stand at an altar and God would meet me there, that's a place I want to get to know. I want to I make sure I keep the address of that place. It's a place where the mercy of God comes down. The altar is a place I want you to hear me today, both for saint and sinner alike. The altar is where, the, the altar is the centerpiece and it is the focal point. And I know today that when we mention altars, there's a lot of visual images that can come to mind. There's a formal place in this building that we have designated as an altar here today in this church. But there are also altars that we may have. You have a, may have a familiar place in your home to pray. Maybe that's the place that you go to every day, a place that you meet with God. I know sometimes that can be formal or informal, but whatever it may be, aren't you thankful for that place, that specific place? The altar it's in, in the church is where countless parents have come and brought their newborn children to dedicate them back to God. I, I think of a lot of things during children's dedication services. There's a lot of things that cross my mind. I, I, I think about obviously the future of that child and the impact that they may have on our world, not only spiritually but naturally. There's a lot of good thinkers that, uh, that are impacting our world and I'm thankful for that. But I also think about one of the things that, that is on my mind when we're dedicating children is uh, although that child can't understand it at that moment, but the parents are by faith directing their children to a place that you can come. This is where we're gonna give you back to God and we're going to dedicate you unto the Lord. It, it was because of that initial experience that my parents dedicated me. I don't remember the dedication service, but that initial experience planted something in me and, and then they didn't just leave me to grow on my own, but they kept taking me by the hand and leading me back to that altar, that place of where man could meet with God. And because of that experience, I learned how to pray and I learned how to trust God with my every need. I grew up in an atmosphere of hearing a mother and a father pray and trust the Lord for their every need. And so it taught me that I can depend on this God that my mom and dad serve. It taught me that I could trust him because I too, Brother Osborne, watched the Lord move in our home and in our lives naturally and how that God opened doors that seemingly were shut perpetually. But I saw them continue to trust the Lord and live for him. It was at an altar that I learned how to place my trust and my dependence. As I begin to grow up in the, in the church, and it uh, goes without saying, I certainly made my fair share of mistakes, and there's some of you here that probably remember those days. I hope you don't have a record somewhere. <laughs> but I remember knowing in my heart, no matter how much I stumbled, or no matter how many times I staggered, I knew always in my heart where the real need was. I always knew where my passions were and I may not have always been making the right decisions but in my heart I always wanted to serve God. Anybody can witness to that? Amen, I always wanted to serve God. I knew that, that I could go to a place and I could meet a God and I knew he would be there. I was reminded of the words of, of the Lord in Genesis 28 and 19. It was here that Jacob had a vision and realized upon waking up that he had been in the very presence of God 
again, a very common man, a man filled with a life filled with mistakes. But when he woke up, he realized God has been in this place. Amen. God has been right here. It was then and there, not a few days down the road, not a few months afterwards, but it was then, right then and there, that Jacob did something incredibly unorthodox. There was no precedence for what he was about to do. There wasn't something, there was, wasn't something that he had learned from a generation before him, but there was something in his heart. There was something in his mind that made him know, I need to build an altar here. I need to do something here. So without precedence, he took a rock that he had used according to scripture for a pillow and anointed it with oil and made it a pillar. Amen. I'm thankful to know today that that designation, that thing to say this is where God has met me and it is forever and a day going to be sacred to me. And so he anointed it with oil. It wasn't much. He did this by faith because he had had an experience and he knew that God was there. To many who passed by, it was just an oily rock in a sandy place, but that's not what it signified to Jacob. (laughs) To some to some that walked past, they said, well, I just don't get this. I've never seen the likes of this right out here in the middle of the desert. But it, to Jacob, it was far more than just that. I realize that to some who may drive by this building during the week, it's just brick and mortar. It's just another building that takes up a parcel of ground in this county. But let me tell you something today, that for many, many people, it's far more than brick and mortar. Amen, it's far more than just a parcel of ground. But this is a place that I can come and I can meet with God. I know God is here. Hallelujah. I have mentioned this many times through the years. I have a designated place of prayer in our home and that seems to be where I migrate to most every morning. But there are some times, and I I think some of you will relate to this, but there are some times when I've got issues that are just pushing in on my heart and they're just kind of crowding out everything else. I've got to go beyond just that designated place. Amen. My wife says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the church. I'm going to the church. I don't think God is any more here than he is there, but I think you get the point. Amen. Jacob was reminded later when his life had once again run aground, what to do, Lord. And the Lord said, you better get back to Bethel. You better go back to that old anointed rock. You better get back to where you know that I am. I feel a drawing in the Holy Ghost today. Maybe I feel a pulling in the Holy Ghost today that the spirit of the Lord would be reaching into the mind and the heart of men and women in this very house that says you ought to get back to Bethel. You better get back to where you know that I am. You better leave the fluff and you better leave the fodder of this life and realize that there is an almighty God. Hallelujah. It may not be much, but if you can find God there, it'll be all you will ever need in this life. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It was at an altar that I had my first experience with the power of the Holy Ghost. I realized that mom and dad's Big mom, papa's experience was wonderful for them, but I, that wasn't gonna get me six inches off the ground. I was gonna have to have my own experience. Their experience couldn't save me. I was gonna have to taste this for myself. 
And so it was at an altar that I found a real sense of solace and peace to carry me through the difficult seasons of life. It was at the altar that you and I have turned for comfort and for guidance and for direction time and time and time again. It becomes a place of contact for those who have had this wonderful experience of touching the Lord and having his powerful hand touch us in return. I'm gonna tell you this morning, for every Bible believer, the altar is a special place. It's a sacred place. Hallelujah. It's a special place because I can meet with God there. I mentioned dedicating our children at the altar, but please let me remind you that it goes much further than that. At this altar, we continue to bring our children to receive prayer. Not only did we dedicate them to the Lord, but when they got a fevered brow, mom and dad picks them up and they walk down to the front of the church. They walk back down to a familiar place and somebody anoints them with oil and lay hands on them and they begin to pray. And at first, I've watched children at first, they weren't all that comfortable with that. They didn't really know what was going on. But time began to erode and wash away all of that discomfort. And they realize this is a place where you turn. Amen, there, this is a place where you turn. I'm gonna tell you, my heart melts when children come up to me and they say, Brother Boyd, I want you to pray for me. I want you to lay hands and pray for me. You know why? Because they realize I gotta get to an altar. I need God. Mom and dad, your efforts are working. You're pointing them in the right direction. Hallelujah. And they realize that if I am going to be changed, I'm going to need the power and the presence of the Lord. And so it becomes a special place in our lives. It's special because many things have transpired there at the altar. I've watched something else through the years with a great consistency. I've watched young converts that were somewhat intimidated to make those first few steps down to the altar. I don't know if it's been so long that you've forgotten, but maybe some of you still remember how far it was from the pew where you were sitting down to the front of the building. For some, it may have been just a few steps, but it seemed like a quarter of a mile. For others, it may have seemed like even further than that. But they, they, they made those timid steps down to the altar. They were uncomfortable when people began to gather in around them. They, they weren't really sure how to respond to what they were feeling. But after a while, as the Spirit of God began to move in their life, and stir in their soul. They become, they become familiar with that feeling. And after a while, they didn't need somebody to coerce them down to the front. They didn't need somebody. They didn't need somebody to tell them everything was gonna be all right. But when they felt a need in their life, they realized there's the place, the altar. I gotta get to the altar. I've been preaching before. And people said, I, essentially they said with their language, body language, and not their voice. They said, I, I can't wait another minute. And they stood up and started walking down the aisle. Why? because they said, I got to get to the altar. I need the spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord and hear me today. That's always in order for men and women to meet God at an altar of prayer. We'll get to the singing later. We'll finish the sermon another day. We need the altar. We need the altar. Oh, hallelujah. We need the altar. That boldness, that confidence that was born out of that initial experience. No longer are our steps guarded, nor pace is our pace somewhat timid. There's a boldness, a sense of expectation as I make my way down, if I can just get to the altar. I've placed a lot of emphasis on the literal altar this morning, but I also want you to know that an altar can be wherever it is that you need the Lord. It has become a part of our service schedule 
At least for the most part, we conclude a lot of our services here by coming down around the front. I often say, why don't we close our service with family prayer? And we gather around the front and we come around and pray. It's not just a tradition, not just something to do, not just something to aggravate people. <laughs> Amen, we're gonna gather around the altar. We're gonna gather around the altar. We're gonna, we're gonna come one more time. It's symbolic of just kind of gathering around the altar. There have been times, many times that you've heard me say that, that you don't even have to step out. Amen, I've, you've heard me say this before. You can make an altar right where you're standing. You can make an altar right where you're sitting. The Lord can meet us anywhere. Of course, I'm not talking about uh, constructing a literal altar where you're standing out of wood or stone as it is in Genesis. I'm not trying to talk about building one out of wood and fabric as is in this church here, amen, an altar can be well summarized by the old song that said, I find my altar anywhere I talk to God. I'm gonna tell you, my altar's been in the cab of my truck riding down the highway. My altar's been, my altar's been in a hospital waiting room. My, my altar's been in a hospital chapel. My altar's been many, many places where I just said, God, I have got to talk to you now. Amen, truthfully, wherever it is, it's about God meeting with man, wherever it is, and God is able to meet with us right there. There is a story that is related to us in the book of Matthew. It's a very familiar story for the sake of time. I'll not read it in its entirety, but if you were to read Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33, it's the story that we refer to as Jesus walking on the water. And when we consider this passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, there are several things that come to mind. If you think that it's true that Jesus walked on the water, you're right. But if you think the miracle stopped there, you're mistaken. Since God created the heavens and the earth and all things were made by him, then all things were subject to him. And so for Jesus to walk on the water and to be able to govern its properties was not all of that, maybe out of the ordinary for us, but not out of the ordinary for him. The disciples were somewhat perplexed in Mark chapter four, whenever Jesus spoke to the wind and the sea and told them to be still, and the very men that walked with him, talked with him, dined and slept with him, said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, I'll answer that question. The manner of man he was was the creator. Amen. He spoke the wind to existence and so he could quiet the wind. He spoke the waves into existence and he knew how to tell them to be still. Amen. Certainly, certainly God could step out of the ordinary and walk on the water. But this passage goes further than this. For me, this passage teaches us one simple principle. And that is that God will come to man at our point of need wherever that is. Is. He kind of feels churchy around here to me today. I love, I love what I feel here today. But I've needed God to come to me in some places that didn't feel so churchy. Amen. There was no music. There were no musicians. There were no singers. There, there was no plan. There was no program. I just found myself in a mess. <laughs> Some of you act like you've never been in a mess. I think I know better. We've all been in a mess. And so God just comes to us at our point of need. 
And that was exactly where Jesus Christ met Simon Peter. That the God of the universe would come, condescend, if you please, to man. To me, and I've, I know I've mentioned this many times, but to me that God, that God would condescend to man is far, a far greater miracle than him walking on the water. He created the water. But that he would lower himself to step down on my level and speak to me. Praise God. Praise God. And so this miracle of eternal truth continues to touch our life today if we allow it. But the good news is this, that when we feel as though we cannot come to God, and there may be somebody here today feeling that very same thing. I just don't know if I can, I don't know if I can come to the Lord. Well, hear me. If you can't come to him, he'll come to you. He'll come to you. Regardless of how we try to prepare ourselves, we're, we're never quite ready to face some of the things that we're called upon to face in life. Just, just sometimes things just hit us. Even sometimes things we see coming. But the brute force of it all in the end is far greater than we ever dared imagined it to be. But God has promised, I'll even meet you right there. The scripture teaches us in Proverbs as our musicians get ready. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The meaningful things of life Real meaningful things of life are seldom cheap, they're seldom quick, and they're seldom easy. Sometimes when I'm really kind of pressed by the pressures that go along with certain things, there's one little simple thought that keeps me pushing on, and I hope you don't think different of me. But I just think this to myself, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And so I look around sometimes and everybody's not doing it. But God has called me to do that particular task. And so I had to realize that meaningful things are not cheap. They're not quick. They're not easy. But it's in those difficult times that God's strength and our faith in that will sustain us. The awareness of the need for God in our life is greater than ever before. And in that moment, that's when he comes to us. I want to tell you something Simon Peter had never needed Jesus quite like he needed him in that moment. But you know what? Even though it hadn't been rehearsed, they had never discussed this moment. Even though they had never had this discussion about what if. And that moment of unsuspected need, Jesus reached out his hand. And I want to tell you today that you'll never be anywhere that God can't reach you if you reach back. That's when he lifts us out of the turbulent waters of uncertainty, those waters that threaten to take us under. I want you to notice two things in closing about the scripture in Matthew, and that is verses 32 and 33. The Bible says, And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth, thou art the Son of God. Jesus 
not only stayed with Simon Peter until they came to a place of safety, and not only did he reach out to him in his hour of need, but he stayed close until even the winds had stopped blowing. Amen. There was a sense of calm that enveloped not just Simon Peter, but all the disciples. Amen. And then they worshiped him, and they said, of truth. Thou art the Son of God. I don't think this was a moment of revelation. I think it was a moment of affirmation. (laughs) I know who Jesus is. But there have been many times God has affirmed that to me. And I've just been wowed by the presence of the Lord. I know God is a healer. He's healed me in the past. Amen. Amen. But still, there are times when God moves in my life, I'm reminded he really is the Son of God. And so I'm thankful for that today. Let's stand. So to everyone who is here, I make this promise to you. I think I can boldly make this promise to you that Jesus will stay stay with you through the difficult moments of your life. He's not just here to try to get you out of the water, but he'll stay with you all the way till the wind stops blowing. We look at our circumstances sometimes and we cannot ever imagine our lives being normal again. But I'm going to tell you that if we can have a relationship with this thing called the altar, this is where God will meet us and he'll minister to the needs that we have. Amen. I wonder if we could worship the Lord right now and let the spirit of God touch, pierce our heart and our soul. Lord, would you let your authority and your anointing. God, would you just touch my life and my mind. God, would you let the confidence and the comfort and the peace, God, that can only come with your spirit. Would you let it come into this house today? Would you let it come into the hearts of men and women today? Lord, help us to realize that if we're here without the power of the Holy Ghost inside, we don't have to leave here unchanged. But Lord, your spirit, your power, and your anointing can change us now. Lord, you can move upon us. You can move upon our hearts. And God, you today, you today can minister to every need. In Jesus' name, in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.